Good morning. Good morning. Can you hear me? Is this working? Test, test, check, check. Check, check. Yes, much better. I can see everybody on this side. I can see everybody here. I see all of your faces. And then there's a post right here. Look. That's okay. I trust that you will hear my words if you cannot see my face. Good morning and God bless you in Jesus' name. My name is Chaplain Gordon James Klingett Schmidt. Today is August 13th, 2012. I am visiting the Trinity College and Seminary, TCS, in Churchampur, in Manipur, India. And today I will present the first of two lectures on the gift of discerning of spirits in the Gospel of John. Please open your Bibles to John chapter 1. The gift of discerning of spirits is a particularly dear subject to me. It was the subject of my PhD dissertation. I took eight years at Regent University to study many topics of theology, but in particular, the gift of discerning of spirits, upon which I wrote a 300-page dissertation studying the life of St. Ignatius of Loyola. Ignatius wrote 22 rules for the gift of discerning of spirits, and my dissertation is very long and very dry and has big theological words, and I will not bore you with this presentation today. Instead, we will study the Bible. Hallelujah. I love the Bible because the Bible is God's word, and the Bible is God's direct love letter to us, his inspiration to us, particularly the Gospels. Now, I love the Old Testament, and I love the New Testament, I love the Epistles, but my favorite books in the Bible are Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. The Gospels are the passion of my heart, because they talk about Jesus, and the, the God becoming a man, and, and the Son of God, with moving with great power and, and mercy among the people. And of course, He died for our sins on the cross, and He sacrificed His own blood as a substitutionary atonement, so that our sins could be forgiven. And God raised Him from the dead, and He is seated at the right hand of God, and will judge all of mankind. And we know this from reading Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And these four Gospels are very special, but... Uh, when I'm in America and I'm driving around, I like to play audio cassettes. When I'm in my car alone or listening in my devotions, I play the audio cassettes over and over and over. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. John, Luke, Mark, and Matthew. Forwards and backwards. I have worn out the cassette tapes. They are old and tattered because I have listened so many times and I meditate on the scriptures. And I am very encouraged by the differences 
in the Gospels. Do you know Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are each different in their own way? They each have their own eyewitness account. For example, we know uh, the Gospel of Mark was probably written first because it is short and it is also copied in some areas. The stories are repeated by Matthew, repeated by Luke. Because Mark tells a very succinct and short story of the life of Jesus. But Mark does not have many of the parables of Jesus. So Mark tells about the healing ministry, the exorcism ministry, uh, when Jesus raised the dead and Jesus cast out demons and uh, Jesus did miracles. But it does not tell the parables of Jesus. So Matthew and Luke are different because they tell the parables of Jesus. They add to the story of Mark these other parables, the teachings of Jesus, which they may have, scholars believe, they borrowed some of these parables from Hugh, which is a Latin abbreviation for source. So there is a source which we do not have today. It was never assembled or published as a book. But the, the parables of Jesus in Hugh were copied, perhaps, by Matthew and Luke. And so they are combined, and Matthew and Luke tell many stories about Jesus' teachings. Uh, the parable of uh, the lost son, the parable of the lost talents, um, you know, the, par- the persistent widow, and all of these things are in Matthew and Luke, but they are not in Mark. And so uh, they are... Each is unique in its own way. But my favorite gospel, and it is not anything at all. You know, Matthew, Mark, and Luke are very similar. They tell many of the same stories. But John is totally different. John does not borrow or copy any of the stories from Matthew, Mark, and Luke. But the teachings of John were written perhaps 20 years later. And this is the last of the four gospels to be published. And one of the things that caught my attention about why is John different. John is very special. But when I was a PhD student, I was taught by a professor, Graham Twelfthtree, who studied in England. He pastored in Australia. And he is a brilliant theologian, very gifted uh, in studying the Gospels. He has written many books about the gifts of the Holy Spirit, about the Gospels, particularly the Gospel of John. And he asked this question to me, and many other students. Why are there no exorcisms in the Gospel of John? John is a very special book, very different. um, Because in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, Jesus is casting out demons. We see in uh, Matthew and and Luke, we see the the demoniac, right, and legion. And Jesus goes and says, uh, come out of him in Jesus' name. And there are many exorcisms and exit of demons. And uh, there is great power in ministry in the person of Jesus Christ. He has great authority over the demons. And he commands them to come out of people. But not in the Gospel of John. In the Gospel of John, Jesus is not casting out demons. There is no mention of exorcism. And... Graham Twelfthtree, doctor, Ph.D., professor Graham, says, why is John different? Why are there no exorcisms? And he gives this as a, maybe a homework assignment for us to study and think about. And he has his theory about why this is different. And over many years I've been thinking about this, and I think finally I have come to my own answer. 
why John is different and why there are no exorcisms in the Gospel of John. I think the answer is that John teaches about the spiritual gift of discerning of spirits. Before we can cast out the demons, we must be able to see the demons. How can you do exorcism when you cannot see the demons? If you're not even aware of the Holy Spirit, how can you follow the Holy Spirit? If you cannot see angels, how can you uh, discern between angels or follow their message or not follow their message? If you cannot see them, how do you do this? So the gift of discerning of spirits is a very special gift that is explained by John, the evangelist. Now surely John was one of the favorites of Jesus, right? Right? Jesus uh, embraced uh, Peter, for example. He embraced John. Uh, He embraced, uh, of course, all 12 of the disciples. But Jesus was there. And Jesus was, uh, excuse me, John was there. John was watching Jesus' ministry. Surely John was a personal eyewitness to Jesus' exorcism ministry. John watched Jesus cast out demons, but he never mentions this in his book. Now, there is another theory that uh, maybe the book was written by the disciples of John. And the book of 1 John was written by the disciples of John. Maybe not in John's original handwriting, but maybe he teaches his own Johannine school of people who write down the teachings of John that were an oral tradition at first, and then they were translated into paper. And so, okay, but that would not explain to me why John would not talk about exorcism. There must be a different reason. And I think the reason is this. Again, John talks about discerning of spirits. How we can see the invisible spirits. We all know uh, that the Holy Spirit is invisible. The Creator God is invisible. We know that demons are invisible to our natural eyes. That angels are invisible to our natural eyes. Unless there is some supernatural revelation that is given to us. Only when we receive a very special gift from God do the scales fall from our eyes and we are able to see the Holy Spirit. We are able to see the angels. We are able to see the demons through the gift of discerning of spirits. And this is one of the spiritual gifts mentioned by The Apostle Paul, in 1 Corinthians 12, he lists the nine gifts of the Holy Spirit. And Paul says, oh, there are gifts of healing, and there are gifts of miracles, gifts of faith, gifts of prophecy, gifts of tongues, gifts of interpretation of tongues. You all have read this list. Do you know about the gifts of the Spirit? Yes? There is a special gift that he says, the ability to discern the spirits. Or in other words, to see the spirits. The gift of discerning of spirits, and I will give a short definition. The gift of discerning of spirits in the Bible is that special and supernatural gift that God gives to some people to be able to see the invisible spirits of the Holy Spirit, angels, demons, and the hearts of men. Again, I will repeat this definition. The gift of discerning of spirits is the special and supernatural ability that God gives to some people 
to see the invisible spirits. They are invisible to our natural eyes, but if you receive the gift, they are visible to our spiritual eyes. So we can see the Holy Spirit, angels, demons, and the hearts of men. The Bible talks about four kinds of spirits. There are, like I said, the Holy Spirit, angels, demons, and humans. And humans are perhaps different in this way. Humans have a physical body. We are able to see each other with our natural eyes. We can touch each other with our hands. We can smell and uh, taste and uh, hear. So we use our five natural senses of the human body, and we are able to experience each other. We see, uh, and I'm able to shake your hand. I'm able to, uh, you know, pat you on the back. Because our natural senses are confined to our human body, which is different than our human spirit. The human spirit is invisible and cannot be seen with our natural eyes. The human heart is a deep mystery. Who can know the human heart and all of the moral uh, conditions and failings? And, and who is able to see love, for example, in the human heart? My heart is full of love, but I cannot see this because it is part of my spirit. When we die, the human body and the human spirit are separated. The human body uh, goes into the ground and is buried, but the human spirit lives on forever in eternity. And the Bible teaches it will be judged in heaven or in hell for all of eternity. So the human body and the human spirit work together. Everybody say, I am a spirit, I have a soul, and I live in a body. Repeat these words with me. I am a spirit, I have a soul, and I live in a body. So these are the three parts of the human being. The soul, of course, is a little bit different. The soul composes what some people teach is the mind, the will, and the emotions. Well, your mind are the things that you read, remember, memorize, understand, think, process. This is where the logic happens, maybe in your brain. And there's some physiological connection between your brain and your ability to think. The soul is composed of the mind, the will, and the emotions. The will is the place in us where we choose to consent, uh, maybe to obey God or disobey God. Maybe to have soup or salad or sandwich for lunch. We choose these things with our will. And God has given man a free will, to some extent, to be allowed to choose from many things which God has not forbidden. And there are some things which God has forbidden, and those are commanded, you shall not. And we see in the Ten Commandments, in the Old Testament, and many of the New Testament commands, the things that we are allowed to choose with our will, and forbidden, we must not choose with our will. Of course, there is our emotions, and our human emotions are full of, uh, you know, very different turbulent feelings that we have inside. Sometimes we are happy. Sometimes we are sad, sometimes we are afraid, sometimes we are angry. And so the four basic human emotions, whether you're uh, mad, sad, glad, or afraid, these human emotions sometimes take over and they uh, overpower our mind or 
They make things less logical and it's hard uh, for men and women to, to think the same way sometimes. Women are very blessed with strong emotions, strong passions. And they say this comes from the right side of their brain. Men are blessed with very logical, compartmentalized, process-oriented thinking. And some people say this comes from the left side of our brain. But these, the struggle between our mind and our emotions happens in the, in the human soul, which is different than the human body. In our body, we uh, have you know, physical strength and we have muscles and they connect to the skeleton. And our physical body uh, may be sometimes healthy, sometimes sick. But let me, let me return to talk about the human spirit for a moment. The human spirit is a very special spirit, one of the four kinds of spirits that we should discern. The human spirit is where morality takes place. Morality is higher, a higher plane of existence than your thinking. Morality or ethics or right and wrong takes place in the human spirit, and that is why our spirit will be judged by God for all of eternity. Our spirit can sin, and it is connected somehow to an act of our will. We consent to choose holiness or sin, and this begins an identity for our human spirit. Our human spirit can worship God. As God is spirit, our human spirit communes with God and there is this wonderful interaction of worship between our spirit and the spirit of God. And our human spirit can also disobey God and reject God and fail to worship God and fail to love our neighbor and fail to obey the commands of God. So our human spirit can choose to be in cooperation with our will. Our human spirit can be immoral or unethical. And choose wrong instead of right. And this defines our human spirit in such a way that after we die and we are judged by God, that it will have a permanent and lasting identity of what we were when we were alive. The spirit will live on forever and the memory of all of our morals will be etched in God's mind and God's eternity forever. In this way, our human spirit will live forever. So how do we see the hearts of other men? It's very hard to, to look into another man's heart and discern his spirit. It's hard to see his morality. It's hard to see his love or his selfishness, his holiness or his sin. Uh, this man right here, he's sitting right here. I have never met you before. But I, it is hard for me to know your hearts because we have not talked and we have not, I have not seen your actions. Your spirit will be displayed through your words and through your actions. And that makes it visible for me. Sometimes I can see by your words that you're a very loving man. You're full of joy and patience and gentleness and you're kind to the poor. I can see by your actions which is your spirit reflected through your body and acted through your body, and your body shows love for the poor. You give away your money. You uh, care for the poor. You, you pray for the sick. You bandage their wounds, and you show great kindness. But unless you are doing this through your words and your deeds, I cannot know your heart. It's very hard for me to know what is going on inside of your heart. 
Maybe you're full of love. Maybe you're full of selfishness. Maybe you have a secret prayer life with so much love for God. And I would never know this. Or maybe uh, somebody else has a secret sin in their life. And I would never know this. Unless... God gives me the gift of discerning of spirits. And then it's a very special supernatural gift to be able to look into another man's heart and know what his thoughts are even before he speaks his words. If you have the gift of discerning of spirits, you may be able to look into another man's soul and understand his morals, his ethics, his right and wrong. You know his heart even before you see his deeds, even before you hear his words. And I'll give you a short example of this in my own life. In 2002, I was uh, going on an extended fast to prepare for ministry. And God was training me and teaching me in my prayer life about the gift of discerning of spirits. And I met a man in Colorado Springs. His name is Jerry Kintz. And Pastor Jerry had the gift of discerning of spirits. I mean, he had it. It was supernatural. And it was very powerful. And I sat down to pray with him the first time I met him. He never knew me before. We never had words. We never had deeds. The first day I met him, he looked into my heart and he told me three of my secret sins. I was shocked. I was like, how did you know this? I didn't even tell my wife about this. How do you know my heart? How do you know what my sins are? And he says, I, God has given me this ability. I look into your heart and I am, I am able to see what is in your heart. So that's just one example of the gift of discerning of spirits. And now we turn to the Gospel of John. By way of this introduction, I have uh, explained to you a little bit about the four kinds of spirits, a little bit about... The ability to see the spirits. What is the gift of discerning the spirits? I've given you a definition. And now I will reveal to you, and this was surprising when I first began to understand, but now I will show you 42 examples of the gift of discerning of spirits in the Gospel of John. This is such a prevalent theme in the Gospel of John. It is perhaps the most important teaching of John's heart. He really wants us to understand how to see the invisible Holy Spirit. How to see the invisible angels. How to see demons. Raise your hand if you've ever seen an angel or seen a demon or seen the Holy Spirit. with Maybe not with your natural eyes, but with your spiritual eyes. Have you ever had a vision and you're able to say, there's a demon and I see it and I must come against it. Or you're able to say, there's the Holy Spirit and I will follow him and I will listen to him because I see him with my spiritual eyes. This is what John talks about when he talks about discerning of spirits. Let's read beginning in John chapter 1 and verse 5. Verse 5 says... The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness comprehends it not. Immediately, God is revealing himself to John, the evangelist, who is writing the book, as light. Light is perhaps a metaphor, uh, but maybe it's not a metaphor. Maybe Maybe it's not symbolic. Maybe it's really light. 
that can be seen with our spiritual eyes. That's the one defining characteristic of light is that it is able to be seen. As far as humans can experience this light and contact this light, it is different than darkness. Darkness is that, perhaps, which cannot be seen with our eyes. Light is something that can be seen with our eyes. And he explains here that the darkness does not understand the light. I think what he means here is that there are some people whose hearts are full of sin so that they cannot see the Holy Spirit. And immediately, we see the difference between the gifted and the ungifted. Some people have the gift to see the light. Some people do not have the gift, cannot see the light. And God is the light, and God, this light, is also described as uh, uh, the true light in verse 9. The light that uh, comes into the world, it lights every man's heart. But, in verse 10, the world knew him not. The world did not know this light, in verse 12, but if you receive, as many as received him to them, he gave the power to become the sons of God, even to those who believe on his name. So here it describes the power to become the son of God. Or in verse 14, if this power is clarified as the ability to see the glory of God. The word, or the light, the word became flesh. God became a man. God became Jesus, and Jesus dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory. Everybody say, We beheld his glory. We beheld his glory. The glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. In other words, we beheld, we saw something with our eyes. What did we see about the person of Jesus? Jesus was a man, he was walking around, he is talking to friends, and many people cannot see his hidden glory. They think Jesus is just a man. He's a man like I'm a man. He's a man like you're a man. He's just a man. He's walking around. They do not see anything special about Jesus. They hear his words, eh, we will not listen to him. But to those who believe... God gave a special power to become the sons of God. In other words, God gives them the power. If you believe in Jesus, God gives you the power to behold his glory. You can see the spirit of Christ on the person of Jesus. And you say, this is not just a man. This is the son of God. Because I see the spirit of Christ on the person of Jesus. When you have this moment, for the first time in your life, you are discerning the Spirit. You have the gift of discerning the Spirit, because you can see the Holy Spirit on the person of Jesus. Other people cannot see the Spirit of Christ on the person of Jesus. They do not believe. We who believe can see and discern the Holy Spirit of the Christ on the person of Jesus. We behold His glory. So we are very different in the sense that we receive not just faith, not just obedience, but we receive vision. And the supernatural ability to see the Holy Spirit for the first time. In verse 18, John continues, he says, No man has seen God at any time, but the only begotten Son, 
which is in the bosom of the Father, He has declared Him. In other words, Jesus has revealed the invisible Father. We have this problem. For example, I'm ministering and I've been preaching throughout India now for four weeks. Uh, Today is the 26th time that I have preached or taught the Word of God in India in these four weeks. I've preached in Delhi and Chennai and Bhubaneswar and sometimes to Hindus. I talk to the Hindu people and I'm offering them this question. I say, it is easy for you to worship gods made of stone and wood and plastic. You make these false gods with your hands and it is easy for you to worship them because you can see them with your natural eyes. You can touch them with your physical hands. But it is very difficult to worship the invisible creator God. It is easy to worship creation, but it is difficult to worship the creator because he is invisible. You cannot see him with your eyes. You cannot touch him with your hands. It is very challenging. And this is the higher form of worship. We must learn to see the invisible God so that we can worship him. Not with our natural eyes, but with our spirit. And when you can see the invisible God with your spirit, then you are able to commune with him and worship with him when his glory is revealed. There are two ways that the invisible creator God is revealed to our eyes. The first way is described in verse 18 when it says, The Son of God has declared or revealed the Father. The Father is invisible. Who can see the Father? He's up there in heaven. He's invisible to our eyes. This is how you see him. Look at the Son. Look at the person of Jesus Christ. God became a man. And God became flesh and dwelt among us. And when we look at the person of Jesus Christ, we are able to see the invisible Father. That's what this means in verse 18. Of course, the other way, the second way God has revealed himself, the Father is revealed in the person of the Spirit. The Holy Spirit of Christ reveals the Father. So we look at the Holy Spirit and we are able to see the Father. We look at the Spirit of Christ on the person of Jesus and we are able to see the invisible Creator God. And this makes it possible to worship Him. But what is this Holy Spirit? Uh, How do we see the Holy Spirit? He's invisible like the Father. Well, no. It is possible that some people are able to see the Holy Spirit. For example, move forward in John chapter 1 to verse 32. John 1, 32 and 33. I hope you're taking notes and writing down the scriptures as we uh, go through these. And you can study these on your own later. John 1, verses 32 and 33. And John the Baptist bear record, saying, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove, and it abode upon him. And I knew him not, but he that sent me to baptize with water, the same said to me, Upon whom thou shalt see the Spirit descending, remaining and remaining upon him, the same is he which baptizeth with the Holy Ghost. John the Baptist saw the Holy Spirit descending as a dove. How could he do this? Nobody else saw the Holy Spirit descending as a dove. John is there in the river, he's baptizing people, Jesus comes. Suddenly the Holy Spirit is visible to John's eyes. 
The Holy Spirit comes as a dove. It rests on the person of Jesus. It says, this is the Christ. John sees the Spirit of Christ resting on the person of Jesus. How? He sees it with his spiritual eyes. And John the Baptist has the gift of discerning of spirits. When no one else can see the Holy Spirit, John is the first mentioned who can see the Holy Spirit with his own eyes. Maybe not with his physical eyes, maybe with his spiritual eyes. But anyway, it was very real to John. And it, there are two observations I'd like to make about John. Maybe three. First is that he also saw the Holy Spirit once before this. Because it says, he that sent me to baptize with water said... Now wait, wait. John even before he met Jesus, was sent by somebody. Somebody came to John maybe a month beforehand, maybe a year beforehand, and that, that somebody spoke to John and said, you should go baptize with water. And oh, by the way, in the future, you're going to see the Holy Spirit descend on a jug. So now there's twice, two times in the life of John, that he discerned the spirits. Once when he was sent, and once when he sees Jesus. Another observation is that John predicts the future. He says, the one on whom the Spirit will descend will, will in the future become that person who will baptize other people with the Holy Ghost. John sees the future ministry of Jesus. This time in the river is not when Jesus is baptizing with the Holy Ghost. John says, it will happen in the future... Maybe three years later when Jesus is crucified and resurrected and he breathes on the disciples in John chapter 20. And he baptizes them in the Holy Ghost. So John sees the future. Did you know the gift of discerning of spirits is connected to the gift of prophecy? The ability to predict the future, the spiritual and supernatural gifts, is dependent on something else that comes first. The ability to see and hear the Holy Spirit. If you can discern the spirits and the Holy Spirit is predicting the future, then you can predict the future. If you cannot discern the spirits and you cannot hear the Holy Spirit predicting the future, you cannot operate in the gift of prophecy. So which one comes first? Discerning the spirits comes first and prophecy comes second. The last thing I would like to note is that we know from the other Gospels something about the life of John the Baptist, that he was, um, he was an ascetic, which means he was radical about his holiness. Radical fasting without food. He ate locusts and wild honey. That's a crazy diet. Who wants to eat locusts and wild honey? But John the Baptist is out there and he wears... Uh, Camel's hair, very itchy clothing, uncomfortable man. And he prays and he fasts. And he is uh, a hermit. He, he doesn't live in the city with fine clothes. He lives out in the wilderness because he is a man of prayer. So no personal pleasures or comforts. Praying and fasting, isolated with God. This is a holy, holy man. And this is why God gives him the gift of discerning of spirits. And he does not give it to rich people who are eating food and uh, drinking wine and celebrating with fine clothes in the city. 
John had the gift of discerning of spirits. Jesus also had the gift of discerning of spirits. We know from uh, another gospel that Jesus fasted for 40 days, after which Jesus entered his ministry. Jesus was also an ascetic. Radical holiness. Radical fasting. Radical uh, love for God. Very few pleasures. And in verse 47, everybody turn to John 1, 47. Jesus operates in the gift of discerning of spirits. We see that Jesus says to Nathanael, Behold in Israel and indeed in whom there is no guile. Now wait a minute. Jesus has never met Nathanael before. How does Jesus know his heart? Jesus looks into Nathanael's heart and says, Your heart is clean. There is no deception. There is no guile. You're an honest man. How does Jesus know this? Jesus is able to discern the spirit of Nathanael. He looks into his heart and he knows his secret thoughts even before Nathanael opens his mouth. Nathanael is surprised by this. He says, how do you know who I am? Now Jesus really lowers the boom, right? Now he really surprises Nathanael. He says, oh, I saw you when you were under a fig tree. Not only did he know his heart, he knew his secret location. Perhaps hours before Jesus had a vision, maybe when Jesus is praying, the Holy Spirit shows him the face of Nathanael sitting and praying under a fig tree. Nathanael is shocked by this. How do you know my location? You know my heart and you know my location. You never, you have never met me before. This is a miracle. Nathanael believes this is a supernatural miracle of God. And now, because of the miracle, guess who receives the gift of discerning of spirits? Nathanael can see the Spirit of Christ on the person of Jesus. In verse 49, Nathanael says, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. Nathanael can look at the person of Jesus and say, This is no ordinary man. Because of the miracle, he told me my heart, he told me my location, there is a miracle happening here. Now the scales fall from Nathanael's eyes and he can see the Spirit of Christ on the person of Jesus. Nathanael is operating in the gifts. And Jesus says it's going to get even better. Nathanael, you are going to see angels ascending and descending on the Son of Man. Up and down, Nathanael, you will see angels. Jesus promises to Nathanael, you will receive the supernatural gift of discerning of spirits so that you can see the invisible spirits. Now you've seen already four times... In the very first chapter of John, four times he talks about the gift of discerning of spirits. Believers have this gift. We can behold the glory of Christ. John the Baptist has this gift. He can see the Spirit descending as a dove. Jesus has this gift. He can read the thoughts of men. And Nathaniel? Nathaniel has this gift. He can see the Spirit of Christ in the person of Jesus. And he can see angels ascending and descending on the Son of Man. Jesus promises this gift. Four times in one chapter. This is a major theme for the Gospel of John. This is so important to John. That he repeats this theme over and over and over again. There are no exorcisms here. But there is a lot of discerning of spirits going on. In John chapter 2 and verse 11. 
John 2, verse 11. Jesus is ministering at the wedding. Jesus does a miracle. Jesus changes the water into wine. This great miracle is shocking to everyone who sees this happen. And it says in verse 11, This beginning of miracles did Jesus in Cana of Galilee and manifested his forth his glory and his disciples believed on him. Manifested his glory and his disciples believed on him. So now the miracle happens and it causes belief. The miracle happens, but something happens in the middle. The manifestation of his glory. Everybody say the word manifestation. This means the revealing of the hidden glory. Something becomes visible to our eyes. We can see the Holy Spirit on the person of Jesus in the form of the miracle. So every time in the Bible when you see the word manifestation, you might underline this word. It is very uh, critical word that explains in many times the gift of discerning of spirits. Another word you might circle is perceived. Jesus perceived their thoughts of the Pharisees. Or uh, we will see in a moment uh, the woman at the well in John 4. She perceives that Jesus is a prophet. Anytime you see the word perceives, it means uh, something is revealed to your mind. Something supernatural. You can see it with your eyes, hear it with your ears, and you understand it. This is relating to the gift of discerning of spirits. Another word in the Bible, everywhere in the book of John, is simply see. S-E-E. That's okay? Power is out. But the light of God is with us. So we will continue as we talk. The word see, S-E-E, in the English comes from the Greek word orau. Uh, you may transliterate A, uh, excuse me, O-R-A-W, orau, maybe. Uh, this word to see or to behold or to look is repeated. Whenever Jesus says, uh, look, behold, see, these are important things. You, you may want to underline this and study a little deeper. What is he talking about? He's not talking about seeing with your natural eyes. He is talking about seeing with your spiritual eyes. And this is related to the gift of discerning of spirits. In chapter 2, verse 11, Jesus is manifesting his glory. He reveals the glory. Everyone can see the glory. And this causes them to believe. I think the generator kicked on, so now we have light again. Hallelujah. Notice the connection between the miracle and the faith. The miracle happens and then people believe. Because they see. So the miracle reveals the gift of discerning spirits. The gift of discerning spirits causes faith. There's a connection between faith and the gift of discerning spirits. But also, we saw in chapter 1, the opposite is also true. Faith, those who believe, are able to see, are able to behold His glory. So which comes first, the chicken or the egg? The egg or the chicken? Is it that you believe and then you can see the spirits? Or is it that you see the spirits and then you can believe in the spirits? Which one is first? I think they are interconnected. 
But it is important for Christians that we must believe first, even before we see. Jesus says to John, uh, excuse me, Doubting Thomas, he says, uh, You see and you believe, but blessed are those who believe and they did not see. So as Christians, it is important that we believe God even if we do not see the spirits. For non-Christians, maybe the opposite is true. They must sometimes see the miracle before they are able to believe. Because their hearts are proud and stubborn and they will not believe until they see the glory of God. So for non-Christians, the egg comes before the chicken. But for Christians, the chicken must come before the egg. Does that make sense? All right. In John 2, verses 24 and 25, Jesus explains, or uh, John explains, why Jesus did not trust other men. It says, Jesus did not commit himself to them because he knew all men. In other words, he looked into their hearts. Jesus saw their demons. And they need not that anyone should testify of man, for he knew what was in a man. Something I did not explain very well uh, at the beginning, I meant to say this, but we have four kinds of spirits, right? We have human spirit, the Holy Spirit, angels, and demons. It is possible that only three of these spirits can live inside of a human body. Now think about this. The human spirit lives in a human body. We know this. This is obvious. Did you know that you can be the temple of Almighty God? The Holy Spirit can live in your body. The Holy Spirit can move inside and and manifest and live inside, dwell inside of your human body. Also demons can live inside of a human body. They can move into us and they can manifest and they can sin through our human body. But angels are different. I do not read in the Bible an example Maybe somebody will correct me if they find one. But angels are the messengers from God. They are our our brothers, but they do not live inside of the human body. So it's a little bit different. But here in John 2, 24 and 25, it says, Jesus did not need that anyone should testify about what was in a man because he knew what was in man's hearts. Jesus operated in the gift of discerning the spirits. He looked into men's hearts. And he saw the demons that lived inside of them. Jesus was surrounded by unbelievers who are evil men, corrupt, full of greed, full of selfishness, full of anger, full of murder. And Jesus did not trust them. Why did he not trust them? Was it because he heard testimony? Oh, that's a bad man. Uh, He has bad deeds and bad words. No. Jesus did not need anyone's testimony. He looked in their hearts and he saw their thoughts even before they did their deeds, before they spoke their words. He could look into, he could read their hearts, know their invisible secrets, and he saw their demons inside of their heart. In John chapter 3, Jesus confronts Nicodemus. This is so important. What a teaching on the gift of discerning of spirits Jesus is presenting to Nicodemus. In verse 3, he says to Nicodemus, Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Everybody say, see the kingdom of God. 
Nicodemus cannot see the kingdom of God. He cannot see the spirits. The Holy Spirit is invisible to him. Angels and demons, they are invisible. Nicodemus is blind. Spiritually, he does not have the gift of discerning of spirits. He cannot see the same way that Jesus sees. He must be born again. Well, Nicodemus is confused by this. Oh, what does it mean? How do you be born again? Jesus says you must be born of the Spirit. Now, Jesus is trying to reveal to him how to see the invisible spirits. The first prerequisite is that you must be born again. In other words, you must invite the Holy Spirit to move into you, to dwell in your heart. The Spirit of Jesus lives inside of you. He rules your heart. The Spirit of Jesus is your Lord and Savior. When He is inside of you, you can see Him. Because you feel Him, you experience Him. You know the love that He has for God. This was my experience in 1986 when I became a born-again Christian. Before that, I was lost in the world. I was full of alcohol and womanizing and very much sin. My life was full of demons. But when I was born again on 13 December 1986, I invited the Lord Jesus Christ to rule my heart as my Lord and Savior and dwell in me. And Jesus answered that prayer. He moved into me by the power of His Holy Spirit and He ruled in my heart and suddenly my heart was filled with love for God. Before Jesus lived in my heart, I had no love for God. After Jesus lived in my heart, my heart is suddenly full of love for God. Where did this come from? It is the Holy Spirit inside of me. Everybody say, God is love. God is love. When love dwells in my heart, the Holy Spirit dwells in my heart. You understand this? When I experience the Holy Spirit dwelling in my heart, when I experience this love for God in my heart, now I can see Him. Because He is in me, I am experiencing Him. I look into my own soul and I see the Holy Spirit. He is not invisible. He is love. Nicodemus still does not understand this. So Jesus explains even more in verse 8. Everybody read verse 8. John 3, verse 8. The wind blows where it whistles. So, so uh, John is explaining, and Jesus is explaining to Nicodemus how to see the Holy Spirit. He is like wind through the trees. You hear the sound, it's blowing through the leaves, it's going from this place to that place. You cannot see it, but you know it is there. What is he saying to Nicodemus? This is how you must discern the Holy Spirit. You cannot see him with your eyes, or touch him with your hands, or taste him with your mouth, or smell him with your nose, or touch. Uh, or hear him with your natural ears. But still, there is, a, there is another way that you can sense the Holy Spirit. You must be able to see the Holy Spirit so you can follow the Holy Spirit. Nicodemus, you are Israel's teacher and you don't know these things? Jesus rebukes Nicodemus. He says, you are unqualified to be Israel's teacher. I know many of you men and women 
You want to be pastors and teachers and evangelists for Jesus. You want to have a great prayer ministry, a great preaching ministry, a great worship ministry. And you are very gifted at these things. But if you cannot see the Holy Spirit as wind blowing through the trees, you are not qualified for the ministry. You must learn how to know the voice of the Holy Spirit. How to see He's over here and He's over here. I will follow Him over here. I will follow Him over here. I will listen for the sound of His voice. I will know the Holy Spirit. When you can discern the spirits, then you are qualified for other parts of the ministry. This is Jesus' encouragement to Nicodemus. Let's fast forward to John chapter 4. Is everybody awake? Everybody excited? Are you learning something? Yes. Is this interesting to you? Yes. Good, good. Then we will continue in John chapter 4. Jesus meets the woman at the well in verse 18. John four eighteen, The Samaritan woman comes to draw water for Jesus. And Jesus says... Uh, Well, in verse 14, he says, I will give you uh, water to drink that you will never be thirsty again. The water will be a wellspring of life rising up out of your spirit. In another place, he says, out of your belly will flow rivers of living water. Jesus is promising this water to the woman and she is confused. I don't know what this means, but I want this water. Yeah, give me this water so I don't have to come and give the well. So how does Jesus give to her the water of the Holy Spirit? He's not talking about natural water. He's talking about the water of the Holy Spirit. And he says to her, okay, get ready. You're going to receive this water right now. Bam! And he punches her in the nose with with his words, not, not literally, but he says, you have had five husbands and now you're living in adultery. Oh, stabs her in the heart. Oh, how did you know this? How do you know my secret sins? And let me ask you the question. How did Jesus know her secret sins? The answer is, he had the gift of discerning of spirits. And he looks into her heart and he sees the demon of adultery in her heart. And he reveals this demon to her and she says... You're right. I have this secret sin in my life. You never met me before. You never talked to me before. But here you are. This is a miracle. You are telling me everything about my life. How do you know these things? And now look what happens in verse 19. The scales fall from the woman's eyes. And the woman has the gift of discerning of spirits. She can see the spirit of Christ on the person of Jesus. Because she says, I perceive that you were a prophet. Now the woman looks at Jesus and says, this is no ordinary man. He is full of the Holy Spirit. I can see the Spirit of God inside of him. In verse 24, Jesus explains to her the nature of true worship. God is a spirit. And those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Hallelujah. God is a spirit. God is an invisible spiritual being. And we can know him. We can encounter him. We can worship Him in spirit and in truth. 
This spiritual communion between my spirit and the spirit of God takes place in worship. True worship in spirit and in truth. And I so much appreciate the musicians. You have your guitar, you have your keyboard, you have your drums. But more important, your heart is full of love for God. And you're singing in communion with God and His Spirit is in your spirit and your spirit is in His Spirit and you become one with the Spirit of God. The gift of discerning of spirits allows us to worship when we see the Holy Spirit. If you cannot see the Holy Spirit, how can you worship Him? These Hindus, they cannot worship the Spirit. They worship in lies and deception. They worship... Blocks of stone and wood and plastic. They worship what they know, but we worship what we do not know. We worship what is invisible and must be seen with our heart. In John chapter 5, there's a different example of the gift of discerning of spirits. John 5, verses 4. And five. For an angel went down to a certain season, and a certain season into the pool, and troubled the water. Whosoever then first, after the troubling of the water, stepped in, was made whole, and of whatsoever disease he had. Now we see a relationship between the gift of healing and the gift of discerning of spirits. In the previous chapter, we already see that discerning of spirits comes before prophecy. Now we see discerning of spirits comes before healing. The people who are able to see the angel troubling the water, they jump into the pool first and they receive physical healing in their body. A miracle from God. Because they can see the spirit, they see the angel, they are healed of their body. The people who cannot see the angel... They are last into the pool, and their body is not healed. Isn't this interesting now? There is a relationship between the ability to see the angel and the ability to receive a physical healing in your body. Of course, Jesus overcomes this, and Jesus has mercy on the man who is lame and cannot walk, cannot get into the pool, cannot discern, and Jesus heals his body. How is Jesus able to do this miracle of healing his body? It says in verse 19, John 5 and verse 19, Verily, verily, I say unto you, the Son can do nothing of himself but what he sees the Father do. And what things the Father does, these also the Son does likewise. Jesus' ministry of miracles and healing and prophecy and exorcism and uh, feeding of the 5,000, as we will see in the next chapter. Jesus' ministry of miracles comes because he sees his Father doing it first. The Son can do nothing of himself. Jesus could not do miracles by himself. So in this way... You are just like Jesus. You cannot do miracles by yourself. I cannot do miracles by myself. Jesus could not do miracles by himself. He could only do what he sees the Father doing. Whatever the Father is doing, the Son 
does the same. So Jesus is always looking, looking, looking with his spiritual eyes. There's the Holy Spirit. I will go over here and I will do this miracle. Or over there is the Holy Spirit. I will go over there and I will do this miracle. This is how Jesus did his entire ministry, is by the gift of discerning of spirit. You must be able to see. If you cannot see the Holy Spirit, then how can you multiply the food? You cannot do this. That's in John 6. But before we get there, there are two short segments. Uh, John 5, verse 37. 5, 37. The Father Himself has borne witness, has sent me. You have not heard His voice at any time, nor seen His shape. Again, people are blind to the invisible God. They cannot see the image of the Father. They cannot hear His voice or see His shape unless they have revelation, unless they have the gift from God to discern the spirits. In verse 42, Jesus says, I know you, and you have not the love of God in you. Jesus is talking to the Pharisees. He discerns their hearts. He looks into their hearts even before they open their mouth. Even before they say the words or do their deeds, Jesus looks in their hearts and says, there is no love in you. Instead, he sees in their hearts they are full of hatred and anger and bitterness and unforgiveness and sin. No love in them. Demons are in them. The opposite of love. Everybody say this. If love is the Holy Spirit, then sin manifests in demons. Demons manifest in sin in the human body. So whenever Jesus looks into their heart and says, there is no love in you, there is no Holy Spirit in you, what is in them instead? Sin is in them, demons are in them. So Jesus is able to discern this, the... That's why he would say repeatedly, in Matthew 23, for example, Jesus says to the Pharisees, Woe to you, Pharisees and hypocrites. Seven times, he says, because outwardly you look very clean, but inwardly you are ravenous wolves. Inwardly you are a pit of vipers, a pit of snakes. You are a whitewashed tomb. On the outside you look very clean, but on the inside you are dead man's bones. What are these vipers and snakes inside of the hearts of the Pharisees? What are these ravenous wolves inside of the hearts? They are the names of demons. Jesus discerns their, the demons in their heart. Even though they are very religious men, they are full of the devil. And Jesus discerns this. So finally in John chapter 6, verse 5. John 6, verse 5, we see Jesus is being followed by a great multitude. The multitude is following Jesus. And they see Him doing miracles. And they're hungry. They have no food. And it says in verse 5, Then Jesus lifted up His eyes. Now think about this. Put yourself in Jesus' shoes. And, and this is not... What I'm about to say is not all described in the Bible, but I think we can extrapolate... From John 5.19, where Jesus says, I only do the miracles that I see the Father doing. Now, Jesus in John 6 and verse 5 is lifting up his eyes 
What does he see when he looks at the crowd? With his natural eyes, he sees thousands of people with no food. They are hungry. But what does he see with his spiritual eyes? I believe he sees the Holy Spirit giving them food. With his spiritual eyes, he knows the miracle that is going to happen even before it happens. And so this is why he is teasing Philip. He is mocking Philip. He says, hey, Philip, come over here. What are we going to give all these people to eat? And Philip cannot discern the Holy Spirit. Philip thinks, Philip only looks with his natural eyes. He says, oh, they're hungry and we don't have any food. Jesus is teasing them him because Jesus already sees the miracle before it happens. Jesus says, oh, don't worry, Philip. I have seen the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit is going to feed these people and we're going to have a miracle. So gather the uh, 12 loaves and 5 fishes and distribute to all the people and all the people eat their food and they have baskets and baskets of food left over. There's a great miracle that happens. How did Jesus do the miracle? He discerned the Holy Spirit doing it first. He saw the Spirit of His Father feeding the people and then Jesus said, Oh, I know what God is doing. I will feed the people. I will multiply the food. The gift of miracles follows the gift of discerning of spirits. How will you do miracles in your ministry? How will you expect God to answer your prayers if you cannot first discern the Holy Spirit? Jesus could not do this. You cannot do this. But Jesus first discerned the spirits and then did the miracles. So we see prophecy is connected, healing is connected, miracles are connected, but they are all second after the first gift to discern the spirits. In John 6, verse 44, Jesus says, No one can come to me except the Father draws him. Verse 46, Not that any man has seen the Father except Jesus who is from God. He has seen the Father. Jesus operates in the gift of discerning of spirits and he says, You cannot come to God unless you also discern the Spirit of God. In other words, the Father must give you a gift. The Father must draw you to himself. How does he do this? He reveals his glory to your heart. When the scales fall from your eyes and you see the Father through the Spirit, you see the Father through the person of Jesus, then you are drawn to the Father. Christians, uh, unbelievers cannot be saved until they first see and discern the Father through the person of the Son. In verse 62, Jesus speaks about, what if you shall see the Son of Man ascend up where He was. The Spirit quickens, the flesh profits nothing. The words I speak to you, they are spirit and they are life. There's a connection between the teachings of Jesus, the words of Jesus, and the Spirit. The words are Spirit. The words, the teachings are the Holy Spirit. The law is the lawgiver. The commands are the commander. The words are the Spirit. So when the words come into us, we receive the words, we receive the teachings, and we obey the teachings, then the lawgiver, the teacher, moves into our hearts. 
And we can see because of our obedience. People who do not obey, people who disobey the teachings of Jesus, the words of Jesus, they will never see the Spirit of Jesus. They will remain blind. In verse 70 and 71, now Jesus begins, and at first time in the Gospel of John, He clearly talks about the devil. Now Jesus is discerning demons. Jesus answered them, Have I not chosen you twelve, and one of you is a devil? He spoke of Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon, for it was he that should betray him, being one of the twelve. Judas becomes demon-possessed. Jesus becomes ruled by Satan. He has demons in his heart. Nobody else can see this. How can Jesus see this? Jesus calls 12 disciples. 11 disciples are holy men. Judas is filled with a devil. And Jesus can see this. Why? Because he has the gift of discerning of spirits. He looks into Judas' heart. And there's a clue in verse 71. The word betray. The word betray is a moral indicator. Betray reveals a sin. The sin reveals the devil. Everybody say this. Repeat with me. I cannot see demons, they are invisible. But they are revealed by the sin in people's hearts. If I can see the sin, then I can see the demon. So in this example, what did Jesus see? He saw betrayal. Betrayal was the sin that revealed the invisible demon in the heart of Judas. And we will talk a little more about Judas in a few moments. In fact, let me just do that now, and then in in future scriptures it will confirm what is already happening in the heart of Judas. How did Judas become ruled by Satan? How did the devil get inside the heart of Judas? Let's talk about the life of Judas for a moment. Judas is a disciple. He's following Jesus. He's learning the teachings of Jesus. But Judas has a problem. And his problem is this demon is following him and whispering in his ear. The demon is outside of Judas, but it is whispering thoughts of temptation in his ear. Thoughts of sin in his ear. And the demon says to Judas, don't you love the money? You should take the money for yourself. You should steal the money. And some people say Judas was a thief. Now, this demon says, you should betray Jesus. Everyone else is faithful to Jesus. You should betray Jesus. You should sin. And Judas chooses betrayal. So he's greedy. He's a thief. He's betrayal. Judas consents. The act of his human free will chooses to sin. And when when he sins, now the demon is no longer outside of him. Now the demon is inside of him. And it says later, Satan entered him. 
It says, um, it does not say this in the Bible, but I have this understanding that at the same time Satan was speaking to Judas, that the Holy Spirit was also speaking to Judas. That the Holy Spirit is outside of Judas and he is whispering, do not be greedy, do not steal, do not be a thief, and do not betray Jesus. The Holy Spirit is outside and he's whispering, whispering thoughts of grace and holiness into the mind of Judas. And Judas has a choice. I reject the Holy Spirit and I invite the devil, or I invite the devil and I reject the Holy Spirit. Or, or the other. Just imagine if Judas had made a different choice. Imagine if that, in that moment of temptation, Judas says, Satan, I reject you, I will not be greedy, I will not steal, and I will not betray Jesus. I invite the spirit of faithfulness, the spirit of selflessness, and I will give away all my money. Now the Holy Spirit moves into the heart of Judas. And Judas is full of the Holy Spirit, and he worships God, and does great miracles, and has a great ministry for the rest of his life. That was a different story that could have happened, but Judas failed to discern the spirits. Judas hears these two voices in his head. I call this hearing in pairs. Every time you hear the voice of the devil, you will also hear the Holy Spirit at the same time. You must look for the opposite suggestion. This voice over here is saying sin. There is always another voice who is saying be holy. You listen for that voice and you choose I will be holy. The Holy Spirit will move into you. You will have great power and success. You will never be ruled by the demon. In John chapter 7, verse 20, the people are operating in the gift of discerning of spirits in a false way. The people answered and said, Jesus, you have a devil who is going about to kill you. Now the people, the Pharisees, they are blind. They cannot discern the spirits. They look into the heart of Jesus. They see the Holy Spirit. And what do they think they see? They think they see a demon. How can they look at the Holy Spirit and say that is a demon? Jesus, you have a devil. Who is going to kill you? They do this repeatedly. But Jesus teaches in verse 38, John 7, 38, He who believes in me, as the scripture says, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. By this he spoke of the Holy Spirit, that they who believe should receive. For the Holy Ghost was not yet given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. So Jesus talks about the, the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Everybody say this, I must receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit. I must have rivers of living water flowing out of my belly. When Jesus talks about the, the spiritual baptism, this is not uh, baptism in water, which is symbolic, but this is a very real and powerful experience, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, that we must all have in order to fully express and commune and worship the Holy Spirit. In John 8, in verse 19, Jesus says, Where is your... They ask, Where is your Father? And Jesus says, You did not know me. You did not know my Father. If you knew me, you would have known my Father also. 
In other words, if you, Pharisees, if you had discerned the Spirit of the Father in the person of Jesus, then you would know the Father. But they are blind. They cannot see the Father. In verse 28, John 8, 28, Jesus says again, I do nothing of myself, but as my Father taught me, I speak these things. Jesus could not teach the Bible. The gift of teaching comes after the gift of discerning of spirits. Because Jesus only teaches what he hears the Holy, the Spirit of his Father saying. You know how sometimes uh, your Bible teachers, they are anointed and they speak words from God? And sometimes your teacher is dry and boring and you do not learn anything and he is not anointed from God. What is the difference between a good teacher and a bad teacher? I think the difference is one is able to hear from the Holy Spirit and give to you the words as if they are from God. Another teacher is just speaking his own opinions. He is teaching from magazines or newspaper articles and not from the Bible, not from the Word of God. So he is not anointed from God. In verse 48, the people repeat to Jesus, Say we not well that you are a Samaritan and you have a devil? Jesus answered, I do not have a devil. But I honor my Father, and you dishonor me. In verse 52, it says, We know that you have a devil. This is an example in a different gospel. They call this the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. When the people look at the Holy Spirit inside of Jesus, and they say, That is not the Holy Spirit, that is a demon. This is an unforgivable sin. The false operation of the gift of discerning of spirits is very dangerous. Jesus says, you can uh, criticize me, you can say bad things about me, but if you say bad things about the Holy Spirit, you will never be forgiven. If you look at the Holy Spirit and you say that is a demon, you will never be forgiven. But that's exactly what these people do. They look at the Holy Spirit and they say he is a demon. They are confusing holiness and sin. They're confusing the Holy Spirit with the devil. In John chapter 9, we see the man who was blind but is healed of his blindness. Now here's a great irony. They call this a a chiasm, I think, or an X, where they draw this symbolic in the literature where One group of people is going from low to high. Another group of people are going from high to low. And we see this intersection throughout John chapter 9. Where the humble man who was blind throughout the entire chapter, he becomes healed and he is able to see. But the Pharisees who can see, they become lower and lower and they become blind. And so this entire chapter is a chiasm, but it explains the gift of discerning of spirits. It says, whether he is a sinner or not, we don't know, but one thing I know, whereas I was blind, now I see. The blind man is able to see. In verse 30 it says, uh, I don't know where he is, but he has opened my eyes. 
We know that God does not hear sinners, but if a man is a worshiper of God and does his will, God hears him. This is how you get answers to your prayer. You know, some people can pray and pray and pray and God will not answer your prayers. But other people, they pray a short time and God answers their prayers. Why is this different? The difference is holiness in your heart. I think God will answer the prayers of holy men very quickly. God will answer the prayers of sinners very slowly. So maybe we must be more holy and more patient and more persistent in our prayers. But anyway, this blind man understood this. The blind man received the mercy of God. He suddenly could see, not only with his natural eyes, but now he can see the glory of the Spirit of Christ on the person of Jesus. He begins to talk about Jesus in a positive way. He says, uh, this is a holy man. I can see that he's holy. How come you Pharisees don't think he's a holy guy? Obviously, Jesus is holy. God answers his prayers. Who could, who could heal the eyes of a blind man if Jesus was not a holy man? Jesus is a holy man. The blind man sees the spirit of holiness in the person of Jesus. Not just with his natural eyes, but his spiritual eyes. He's discerning the spirit of Christ in the person of Jesus. But the Pharisees in verse 39, they say they are blind. They, that they which see might not see, and they which see might be made blind. And the Pharisees say, what, Jesus, now you're saying that we are blind? Jesus says, because you are so full of pride and arrogance, you are blinder than the blind man. The Pharisees could see with their natural eyes, but they were blind to the Holy Spirit in the person of Jesus. They did not have the gift of discerning of spirits. Their pride and arrogance... Their sin made them blind. In verse 10, excuse me, chapter 10, verse 3, Jesus says, The sheep hear his voice. The sheep follow him, for they know his voice. They do not know the voice of strangers. Everybody ask this question of yourselves and repeat after me. Repeat these words, please. How can I hear the voice of God? Louder and louder and louder in the future. This is how you hear the voice of God louder in the future. You must obey what He told you to do yesterday. If you obey what God told you to do yesterday, then you will hear His voice louder tomorrow in the future. If you disobey what God told you to do yesterday, then your ears will become deaf and the Holy Spirit will be grieved and he will speak quieter and quieter and quieter in the future. Some people say to me, uh, Chaplain, you talk as if you hear the voice of God, that God is speaking to you all the time. Why can you hear God's voice? And I am deaf. I cannot hear God's voice. And my advice is this. Holiness, fasting, asceticism, obedience. When you practice these things, when you spend hours in prayer, hours in worship, every day you get to know this familiar voice and you obey, obey, obey. His voice gets louder and louder and it is easy to see the Holy Spirit. It is easy to hear 
the voice. But when you disobey God, then God will be offended and God will be grieved away. And the Holy Spirit's voice will become quieter and quieter and quieter. And you will be deaf. In John 10, verse 20, again, many of them said, He has a devil and he is mad. Why do you hear him? Others say, are not, These are not the words of a devil. Can a devil open the eyes of the blind? And now there is this great debate among all the people. All the people are asking, Jesus is doing miracles. Yes, this is supernatural. Yes, this is very powerful. But is it the Holy Spirit or is it a demon? And half of the people say, oh, that is a devil. And the other half of the people say, no, that is not the devil. There is this great debate among the people about how to discern the Holy Spirit. This is such an important topic to John that he repeats this over and over and over again. In John chapter 11, verses 9 and 10. John finally, clearly explains how to see the spirits, how to receive the gift of discerning of spirits. John 11, verses 9 and 10. If any man walks in the day, he will not stumble, because he sees the light of this world. But if a man walks in the night, he stumbles, because there is no light in him. How do you see the light? You must walk in the day. What this means is this. You must obey the commands of the Spirit. And you will see the light brighter and brighter and brighter to your eyes. But if you walk in the darkness, if you stumble, if you sin, and you are unholy, this has to do with morality and ethics and right and wrong. If you sin, then you will stumble in the darkness and it will be darker and darker and darker. You will never see the light of the Spirit. So based on this teaching, here's my question to you. How do you receive the gift of discerning of spirits? What is the answer? You must obey. You must be holy. You must fast and pray. And not be of this world. When all the, the sin leaves your heart and the holiness comes into your heart, then the light will get brighter and brighter and brighter and you will be able to see. Because you will not stumble, you will see the light. In verse 40 of John 11, John 11 verse 40, Jesus says to Martha, I'm about to raise Lazarus from the dead. I'm about to do a great miracle. But Martha, did I not say to you that if you would believe, you should see the glory of God? This is the clearest possible example of how to see the glory of God. You must first believe. Everybody say these words. If I believe, then I will see. Isn't that what he says to Martha here? If you will believe, you will see the glory of God. Faith is connected to the gift of discerning of spirits. If you do not believe, then you will not receive the gift of discerning of spirits. 
In John 12 and verse 6, John 12 verse 6, I just want to notice that Jesus, uh, we saw before how Jesus discerned the devil in the heart of Judas Iscariot. And here it says, Judas did not care for the poor, but he was a thief. Judas did not care for the poor, but he was a thief. And here's this a woman who pours the expensive ointment on Jesus' feet. And Judas complains. He's got this demon of complaining about money. Oh no, you should not pour this oil on Jesus' feet. You should uh, give this to the poor. But somebody discerns the spirit inside of Judas and says, Your motives are not pure. The intention of your heart is not right. There is sin in your heart. You pretend that you care for the poor, but the real motive, the real demon in Judas's heart is greed. Because you are a thief and you want that money for yourself. You should have sold the money, sold the ointments, and given the money to Judas. That's what he really meant. Not to the poor, but give it to him because he was a thief. So somebody, maybe John, maybe the one who wrote this, is able to look into Judas's heart and discern the demon of greed and, and stealing. In John 12, verse 29. Turn to John 12 and verse 29. It says, the people thereby stood by and they heard the voice and some said that it thundered and others said an angel spoke to him. But Jesus said, this voice came not because of me, but for your sakes. Jesus is talking to the people and suddenly this voice thunders from heaven. And some people say it's thunder. Some people say it's an angel. But it is really the voice of the father and the father is speaking to the crowd. And some people are able to hear the voice. Some people are confused by the voice. Jesus is not confused by the voice. Jesus says, I hear that voice all the time. And now you are hearing this voice for the first time? This voice did not speak for my benefit. I always hear the Father's voice. But now you, for the first time, you are hearing about the Father's voice? He is surprised that He always discerns the Spirit. But now for the first time only, the crowd is discerning the spirit of the voice. In verse 35, Jesus says, Walk while you hear, have the light, lest darkness come upon you. For he who walks in darkness does not know where he's going. While you have the light, believe in the light, that you may be children of the light. You must believe and obey the light, the teaching, the morality. You must obey and do what the Father has commanded you, or else you will become blind and stumble in the darkness. In verse 40, John 12 and verse 40, He has blinded their eyes and hardened their hearts that they should not see with their eyes or understand with their heart and be converted, and I would heal them. Again, this is the gift of discerning of spirits. Some people will be blinded because of their sin. Everybody say these words. Sin will make my spiritual eyes blind. But holiness will open my spiritual eyes to see. In verse 45 it says, He who sees me sees him who sent me. 
I am come as a light into the world, that whoever believes in me will not abide in darkness. In John 13, verse 2, we see the devil enters Judas. The supper being ended, the devil now put into the heart of Judas Iscariot to betray him. After all of this temptation, Judas is wrestling with this voice. Uh, The demon is tempting him to betray and be greedy. The Holy Spirit is gracing him to not betray and be holy. But now, finally, Judas consents by an act of his free will to agree and welcome the demon into his heart. And what does it say? Judas becomes demon-possessed. He is ruled by the devil. Verse 27 is very clear. After the sop, Satan entered into him. How did Satan get into the heart of Judas? It was through his sins. Judas failed to discern the spirits. He hears the Holy Spirit saying one thing. He hears the devil saying another thing. He is confused. He is blind. He is uh, wrestling between the two voices. And finally he says, I will obey greed. I will obey betrayal. I will disobey faithfulness. I will disobey generosity. He failed to discern the spirit of morality, of ethics, of right and wrong. He chooses wrong. He chooses sin. And now Satan enters him. This is how it is with all of us. In John 14, Jesus is talking with Philip. Philip says, show us the Father, and that will be enough. Jesus replies, Philip, if you have seen me, you have seen the Father. How do you say then, show us the Father? Look into my heart, Philip. Do you not see the love in my heart for the poor? If you see what is inside of me, you have seen the Father. You don't have to see the invisible Creator God because He's standing here in front of you. In verse 17, Jesus talks about the Holy Spirit of truth. The Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it does not know Him, neither knows Him, but you know Him because He dwells with you and will be in you. Jesus promises the Holy Spirit to some people. Some people will not receive the Holy Spirit, and some people will receive the Holy Spirit. What is the difference? And they ask him, Jesus, how are you going to reveal yourself to some people, but not to other people? Well, I'm going to die, I'm going to go to heaven, I'm going to be resurrected from the dead, I'm going to come back in the person of the Holy Spirit, and when the Holy Spirit comes back, I will live in some people... And I will not live in other people. Verse 21 explains how to receive the gift of discerning of spirits. He who keeps my commands, he who loves me, will be loved of my Father. I will love him and I will manifest myself to him. If you love me, Verse verse 23, if a man loves me and keeps my commands, the Father will love him and we will come to him and make our abode in him. Notice the connection between love and being infilled with the Holy Spirit. Everybody say this, I cannot see the Holy Spirit unless I love the Holy Spirit. 
When love fills your heart, then the Holy Spirit fills your heart. When you choose to obey the commands of Christ, then the Holy Spirit and the Father come into you and they dwell in you. When love dwells in you, then the Holy Spirit dwells in you and now you can see the invisible spirit. This is how to see the the invisible spirits. You must love God. When love moves in, then God moves in and we will make our home in you. We have about 20 minutes left. I will finish the Gospel of John. We are very close to completion. Uh, But is anybody bored or tired or sleepy? Maybe you need to stand up and stretch and then we'll finish for 20 more minutes. Is this okay? Everybody with me? Alright, go ahead and stand up and stretch. We're almost there. Good, good. Hallelujah. In John 14, 15, 16, and 17, Jesus is talking about the Holy Spirit. And he explains how to see the Holy Spirit. In John 14 and verse 26, Jesus talks about the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost. Whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to remembrance whatever I have said to you. The Holy Spirit is a teacher. So if we are to become teachers, I know many people here, you want to be teachers. You want to teach. That's why you come to Bible college. That's why you come to seminary, so you can learn from the Holy Spirit and you can go out and teach other people. But if you do not learn from the Holy Spirit as your teacher, then what will you have to say? You will spend the rest of your life teaching other people nothing. You must learn from the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit teaches you, then you will go to them and you will have much to say, very much to teach Because you learn from the Holy Spirit. And what will the Holy Spirit teach you? He will teach you everything Jesus taught you. He will explain to you the Bible. But more than the Bible, He will explain to you very uh, rudimentary principles of holiness and obedience and ethics and right and wrong and morality. The Holy Spirit will pour His identity into you and fill you with the fruits of the Holy Spirit. We read in Galatians 5 about love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. All of these lessons, all of these teachings, I could spend an hour on each one of these about how the peace of God can flood our, our understanding. Jesus says, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives, but I give you a supernatural peace. This is the Holy Spirit who can be discerned as the spirit of peace. Or joy, the Holy Spirit of joy. Or gentleness, the Holy Spirit of gentleness or kindness. You can discern the spirits in all of these things. In 
In John chapter 15, again, Jesus talks about sin and its relationship. He talks about love in verse 13. Greater love has no man than this that he laid down his life for his friends. There's a direct connection between love and discerning of spirits. In John 16, verse 13, John 16, verse 13, it says, When he, the Spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth. For he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that he will speak, and he will show you things to come. Notice there is a direct connection between the gift of discerning the Holy Spirit and the gift of prophecy. Again, Jesus says, the Holy Spirit will listen to the Father, the Holy Spirit will speak to you, and He will tell you the future. He will tell you things to come. You will be able to operate in the gift of prophecy only if you listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit. In verse 17, Jesus says, A little while and you will not see me, and a little while you will see me, because I go to the Father. Now the disciples are confused by this. And when I first read this, I was a little bit confused also. I understand Jesus talking about the future. He's predicting his own death. In a little while, you will not see me. You will be very sad because I'm going to die on the cross. I'm going to be crucified. So, okay, the disciples will not see him. And then, in a little while, you will see me. Why? Because God is going to raise Jesus from the grave. God raises Jesus from the grave. The disciples are able to see him. They will have great happiness and great joy. Oh, Jesus is risen from the dead. But then he says something strange. Because I go to my Father. Now wait. If God ascended into heaven 40 days after his resurrection, and now God is seated at the right hand of God, I cannot see the invisible God. I cannot see the Son who is at the right hand of God because he's up in heaven. So how can I see? And the disciples are confused by this too. How will we see you if you are in heaven with the Father? Here is how we can see Jesus. Because the Spirit of Christ is among us. The Son is in heaven. The Father is in heaven. The Son makes intercession. He is praying for us in heaven. But the Holy Spirit of Jesus, He is here with us. And we can see Him. And our joy is great when the Spirit of joy lives in our hearts. And we are able to discern Him as joy in our hearts. John 17 and verse 6. Jesus says, I have manifested thy name unto all unto the men which you have given me out of the world. They were mine, and you, they gave, uh, you gave them to me, and they have kept my word. Notice the relationship between the manifestation. Everybody say manifestation. manifestation. In other words, Jesus, the, the Son of God, is revealing something hidden. To their eyes. Now they can see the name of the Father. Why? Because they have kept His word. Notice the connection with obedience. Keeping the teachings. Keeping the obedience to the teachings of Jesus Christ. 
gives them the ability to see the spirits. In verse 8, he says, They have received my words. They surely know that you... Uh, that I came from the Father because they believed my words. Everybody say, I must believe His words and receive His words. When you do this, then you will know that Jesus came from the Father. In verse 25, John 17, verse 25, it says, O righteous Father, the world has not known you, but I have known you. And these that you sent have known you. I've declared to them your name, and I will declare it, that the love wherewith they have loved me may be in them, and I may be in them. Love for God is how God lives in us. If we love God, then God lives in us. If we do not live God, then God does not live in us. How can you discern the spirits? If God does not live in you, you cannot. Love causes indwelling. Indwelling causes eyesight. The scales fall from our eyes and we are able to see the Spirit because He dwells in us in the person of love. We're almost done. Fast forward to John 20. John 20. After Jesus is crucified, after Jesus is raised from the dead, Mary Magdalene goes to his tomb. And at the sepulcher, she is weeping. In verse 11, she stoops down, she looks into the tomb, and she sees two angels in white, sitting, one at the head, another at the feet, where the body of Jesus had lain him. The ability to see angels is a major theme of the Gospel of John. To see demons, to see the Holy Spirit. And here Mary is able to see the angels, but now she also sees the resurrected person of Jesus. In verse 14, when she said this, she turned herself and she saw Jesus standing, but she did not know it was Jesus. So here is his resurrected body standing before her, but she is blind to his secret identity. She sees a man, doesn't know who it is, who is this person. Finally, he says, Mary. In this one word, he reveals to her his glory, and scales fall from her eyes, and she has the gift of discerning of spirits, and she says, Rabboni, which is master. The same thing in another gospel, when the men were walking on the side of the road. Did our hearts not burn within us when he was talking? And suddenly they see it is Jesus who is walking with us. Until that time they could not discern. But suddenly in a moment they had a revelation. A glorious uh, discerning of spirits to see the Holy Spirit in the person of Jesus right in front of them. In John 20 verse 22, this is the key again to seeing the Holy Spirit. You must receive him. When Jesus breathed on the disciples, he said, Receive the Holy Ghost. Let, it, let this be our prayer. Let us pray these words. Repeat with me. Jesus, breathe on us your Holy Spirit. And finally, in verse 26, he confronts the doubting Thomas. 
Thomas says, I will not believe unless I see, unless I put my thumb into his nails, uh, into his scars. Finally, Jesus appears to Thomas and he says, touch me. Thomas receives the gift of discerning of spirits. He sees the Holy Spirit, the glorified Christ, and he says, I believe. My Lord and my God. Scales fall from Thomas's eyes. But again, it is more important that you have faith, even if you do not see. Jesus says, you, you believe because you saw. Blessed are those who do not see, and they still believe. The last example in John 21, and then we will stop is when Jesus is talking to Simon Peter. He says, do you love me? Yes, I love you. Uh, feed my sheep. In verse 18, John 21, 18, Jesus predicts the future for Peter. Jesus looks into the eyes of Peter and he discerns not just his spirit, but his future. And says, when you will be old, you will stretch forth your hands, another will gird you, You will go where you don't want to go. This is the kind of death by which you will glorify God. How did Jesus know Peter's future? Jesus knew Peter's future by the gift of discerning of spirits. It was connected to the gift of prophecy. He looked into Peter's heart and he sees not just Peter's natural face with his natural eyes, but he sees deeper into his heart, his future, and the Holy Spirit is revealed in him. The gift of prophecy is connected to the discerning of spirits. So this is my conclusion for the Gospel of John. And let me offer you this last word of encouragement before we stop for our break for lunch. Five minutes early, by the way. I'm giving you an extra five minutes. Are you glad? Yes? I know you're very tired. I know you have listened to this boring preacher from America. He's droning on and on and on about the Gospel of John. But I pray that maybe uh, maybe in your ministry, maybe you are out doing your prayer walk among the people, and you are looking with your natural eyes, you see the people's faces, and you see their condition, and maybe you see their emotions, or you hear their words, you see their deeds. But I want you to begin to look for something different. I want you to look for the Holy Spirit, the way that Jesus did, and said, I see the Father doing this. I see the Holy Spirit over here. I will follow what the Holy Spirit is doing. When you pray with someone, you lay hands on their head, and maybe you touch them and you feel their head with your hands, but I want you to Touch them deeper in their heart and begin to pray. And maybe God will reveal in your eyes, your spiritual eyes, you will see the Holy Spirit doing something on them, maybe healing their body in a certain way. Maybe God will show you the secret thoughts of their hearts. Maybe God will show you their secret sins and demons. You will look into their hearts and you will not see just the person. You will see the demonic spirit of pride or lust or greed or betrayal or envy, or uh, depression, or all of these demons that, that rule in the people for which you pray. And when they renounce their sins, you may say, Now foul spirit of you demonic devil, come out of them in Jesus' name. You will receive the gift of exorcism like they did in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. 
Only after you are able to see and discern the spirits in their hearts, like he teaches in John. John teaches you how to see the Holy Spirit, the angels, the demons. And when you can see and discern these spirits, then you can do exorcism and cast the demons out like they did in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and, and Mark, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. So we will stop now. We will take a short break. Uh, we will come back at 1 o'clock. We will come back at 1 o'clock, and I will teach you from 1 John. In John, there are 42 examples of discerning of spirits. In 1 John, there are 12 examples of discerning of spirits. I will teach you after the break from 1 John and also through church history, and then my own testimony of how I receive the gift of discerning of spirits. Let us pray. Father, we worship you in Jesus' name. I pray that you would uh, open people's hearts to understand your scriptures. Let love rule in our hearts so the Holy Spirit will rule in our hearts. Fill us with your Holy Spirit. Dwell in us richly in love and peace and patience, gentleness, joy, faithfulness, kindness, and self-control. Let your Holy Spirit rule in us richly and let us discern the spirits. Unveil our eyes. Remove the scales from our eyes so we may follow the Holy Spirit. Listen to the Holy Spirit. Obey the Holy Spirit. And His voice will get louder and our eyes will become brighter. Father, we pray your blessing on us. And bless this food that we are about to partake and the break that we have and the fellowship we have with each other. Have in each other. Prepare our hearts for this session this afternoon. And God bless us in Jesus' name. Amen.